I'm Maria Kondo. 私のミッションは片付けによって世界をときめかせていくことです。Let's start fighting. Okay, let's go. This girl's no joke. We have too much stuff. It's not as easy as I thought it was gonna be. I am going to figure out what sparks joy in my life. I'm just seeing and looking at things completely from a different perspective. New day, new joy. I hope you know how much this means to me. Moment of truth. Here we go. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. It's finally here. Tidying Up with Marie Kondo officially premiered on Netflix on New Year's Day. Millions of you are watching around the world. My friends are watching it with their children. My family members are reaching out to me to let me know that it's popping up in their Netflix queue. My clients are beaming with pride that they are already on the Kamari train. Ahead of the rest of the world, <laughs> Tidying Up is taking over Netflix at the top of the year, and many are getting equated with Kamari for the first time and falling in love with Marie Kondo. It has been really amazing. A lot of us in the Kanmai world knew that this was coming,、um, but it kind of just snuck up on us and happened all at once. I think all of us have been like really stunned at the amount of press and comments and interest that probably every single one of the Kanmai consultants has gotten. I know that the Kanmai media folks themselves have just been inundated with lots of inquiries for. Interviews and comments, and even to find consultants, which is awesome. You know, I was really looking forward to the series, but I had some concerns, you know, about what it would be like, what people would think of it, how it would come across. You know, it is reality television after all, but I could not be more pleased with not only how the show turned out, but the response. So we're so excited to get a chance to review the show for you today. Before we jump into our review of Netflix tidying up with Marie Kondo, you know what time it is. It's time for a joy check. What's sparking the most joy lately, Karen? Well, this is a great question. And I thought about this a little bit and I realized that I think in one of the last shows, I said something about really working on my sleep. My sleeping was not optimal and that I really could be doing a lot better. So I installed two sleep trackers. On my phone, and have a watch that's tracking my sleep. And I have to tell you, it's actually working. What's really sparking joy for me now is that when I wake up in the morning and I have my hour of restful meditation, relaxation, I feel so much better. I am waking up energized. I feel inspired. I have been coming up with great ideas, some of which turn out to be a little silly, some that turn out to be, you know, something workable and fun. But I really feel like sleeping better is paying off in ways that I couldn't have even imagined. What about you, Kristen? Well, I learned a lot from episode 66 of Spark Joy, where life coach Laura Kessler gave us all great insight into figuring out what's the one thing that we could do that would change everything for our new year. So, I finally landed on my one thing, which definitely took some time to really finalize. 
But what it was, was to get up in the morning and make sure I'm up around a certain time every single morning. When you work from home, as you may know, Karen, it's kind of hard to put that structure in place. If I had my way, I would work between the hours of 8 p.m. and 3 a.m. I'm definitely a night owl. But the rest of the world isn't so much on that schedule. So I realized the importance of having this specific routine of making sure that I am up during a certain hour of the day. Notice I didn't say up and working out or up and (laughs) eating a healthy breakfast. I left it open for myself intentionally because if I'm just up at that time, if I just achieve that simple goal, it just has a ripple effect. So that's what's truly sparking joy. Just the fact that I've accomplished it so far as we've moved into this new year. And I just see a lot of good early days to come. Well, I think it's so great that both of us have new morning routines that are sparking joy for us at the beginning of this great new year. So before we go any further, if you have not watched the Netflix series, we are telling you right now there are spoilers ahead. So if you've not seen the series, we recommend that you turn off the podcast right now, sit down in front of the TV and watch every single episode and then come right back. If you've watched the series, then great, we're ready to go. Or if you've decided you're okay with spoilers, then please stay tuned. But we are going to sound a spoiler horn, and after the horn, we are doing spoilers. So this is fair warning. Okay, that was a spoiler alert. If you are still listening, we are going to talk about the shows. So here are a couple of things that were so interesting. They dropped every episode at once. Now, I am not a big TV watcher. I haven't watched a lot of Netflix series, so I don't know if this is a common thing or not. But every single episode was dropped all at once on New Year's Day. I think in some areas it came out at midnight. I was up at midnight, did not see it drop. So I'm not exactly sure when it came out, but it was certainly there on New Year's Day. As an avid Netflix watcher, I know that dropping all episodes at once is definitely their M.O., I think they're just all trying to get us to lose that sleep that we talked about just a minute ago because it's truly addictive. But I absolutely love Netflix. So whenever I heard about this project many, many months ago, I was so excited. Well, that's super interesting because I guess the good thing about that is that you don't have to wait week to week to see the new episode. So that was totally exactly. It's almost like watching one big movie. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it was kind of like that if you think about it when you were watching it. So there were eight episodes, and they totaled five hours and 14 minutes of watch time. So each episode was not exactly an hour, but it was roughly between, I don't know, 40 minutes to an hour. So, so far, the press has been super positive, with some notable exceptions. However, it really has been really funny for me to see people on Twitter or people on Instagram, folks that I would have never thought would have ever watched a show with Marie Kondo have been making a lot of comments. Some people are all on board and they've immediately jumped in, but there have been some funny comments. Someone made a comment that she wished her boyfriend loved her the way Marie Kondo loved boxes, which was pretty hysterical. (laughs) So there's been a fair share of people, you know, poking a little bit of fun, but generally it's been really positive. We also learned a lot about Marie Kondo herself. She was asked specifically what she does when it comes to tidying with her kids. And she mentioned that she has her kids watch her have so much fun tidying all the time and they learn from her. 
But I also was a little bit surprised to see that she admitted that she also scolds them when things get out of place or they mess up something that she has folded which I can't imagine Marie Kondo scolding someone (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because she's so sweet. She also talked about how she's not perfect when it comes to kimono. She mentioned that in her own garage, she stores Christmas decorations and she also has a pile of things that don't quite have a place in the home just yet. She did admit that things do get out of order in her house which we've experienced ourselves as consultants. It's not about perfection. It's about finding that balance, that click point, and always returning to it when things get out of hand. And we also learned that Marie Kondo has officially experienced in America the biggest pile of clutter (laughs) ever, and that's Mount Windy, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I'm sure. Yeah, that part was really funny, and we definitely will mention that later. And I also thought it was really funny that Marie scolds her kids, but I guess two-year-olds are two-year-olds all over the world. True. Now it's time to weigh in on what sparked joy for us, specific to Netflix tidying up with Marie Kondo. Besides the most obvious being that the show exists, and it's finally here. We've been waiting and waiting, and we just want to send a big thank you to Netflix for championing the Kanmari movement and helping the world get tidy in the new year. So I guess I'll start. The things that sparked the most joy for me in watching this series were actually pretty practical. Um, And they had to do with some of the concerns that I had about what the show would be like. The first really big one was I was a little concerned and wondering who they would choose, what kinds of families and who would be in the homes that Marie would come and tidy. I was a little concerned that they would do one of two things, that they would pick people who were total celebrities and had beautiful, gorgeous, you know, mansions that's not really realistic for most of, of the world or most of the people who would be watching the show, or that there would be people who were so extreme, who had such extreme clutter issues that it would also be hard to relate to. And I was so happy to see that most of the families were very typical. They were definitely the kind of families that I think that I've seen in my practice, and I think that most Conway consultants can say that they've seen. You know, some were a little less cluttered than maybe the clients that I see generally, but they certainly had the same kind of issues. They had the same kind of concerns, the same kind of struggles and dilemmas and challenges, and the same emotional issues around the things that they had in their home and and making decisions about what to keep and what to let go of. The other thing that made me very happy was that there were no miracle transformations, that, you know, it was not Marie coming in and in an hour transforming a home from clutter to perfectly tidy. Some of the makeover shows have done that a lot. And Marie's show did a great job of showing this is day 21, this is day 47, and also showing that the clients got really tired, that it was really an exhausting process for them, which is super realistic. It is something that takes a while for most people. You know, it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. I always tell people that, you know, you didn't get to your level of clutter overnight and it's not going to get resolved overnight. So I was really happy to see that. And I guess finally, the thing that I really liked was, for me personally, was that as a consultant, so much of what Marie did was really relatable. I was aware that in my own practice, a lot of the things that Marie said and did were very similar to the very same kinds of situations I've encountered. And I was excited to see that I would have responded in the same way. So watching Marie just made me feel more confident as a consultant. I totally agree. And I absolutely love the diversity throughout the entire series. 
diversity in the types of families that were selected, as well as the variety of storylines. They hit almost every scenario from downsizing to empty nest to really trying to work through decluttering when you've suffered a loss. There's many more scenarios, but I think a good variety of the most common ones were covered in this first season. And I also truly enjoyed seeing the spiritual nature of this method displayed in this particular format. Of course, this Kanmari method is based on when influenced by Buddhism and Zen-based principles, as well as Shinto history of Marie Kondo and her experience. And I think that that's mentioned in the bestseller, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. But I don't think the book truly does it justice. When you see Marie kneeling down and practicing that home greeting, you really truly get to the essence and the Japanese-based influences that this method has. I have had such great experiences with home greetings with my own clients. It's a very hard thing to describe and articulate. So it was great to see that everyone now is going to be greeting and thanking and appreciating their home through this moment of mindfulness. And I think it's just so beautiful how it was executed on the show. I also really appreciated the small little day counter that's in the upper right corner of the show, if you missed it. It's basically ticking down the number of days or basically the time frame that tidying was executed. Now, of course, the families were not tidying every single day, but their event happened over a time frame that was much longer than just a weekend. So again, like you said, Karen, not portraying this as something that is going to happen overnight. It's really important to note that part of the reason families were able to complete their tiding events very efficiently within a month on average is because they had professional support via Marie Kondo herself and also two consultants behind the scenes who assisted them on the show. Trisha Fiddler and Jane Grodem are going to be joining us on a future episode of Spark Joy. We're excited for them to come on and give us some behind the scenes about what was happening on the show. And we're also going to release an episode dedicated to helping you plan your tidying event so you can determine how many days, weeks, or months that it will take you to finish up once and for all. And so what's next? Turns out that there is talk about a season two. And based on the overwhelming response to season one, we're pretty sure that that's going to happen. So we're kind of excited to see if the show will explore some of the things that maybe got a little left out or a little over edited in this season one. We don't, of course, know much about it. We don't even know if it's actually going to happen. But we're, we're really hopeful that this is something that will be an ongoing event. Maybe it'll get launched on New Year's Day every year, which would be super, super fun. So now we're going to talk about four episodes that we have selected as ones that we felt were most representative of the series. We hope that some of these were your favorites. All of the episodes had a lot to offer, but these four in particular are ones that really stood out to us. The first episode is titled Empty Nesters. This was probably one of my favorites and one that I reference quite often already. We got to meet Ron and Wendy Akiyama, 
and also their son, Russell, who was featured because when Ron and Wendy decided to tidy, Russell thought that their father would not be as involved as he ended up being. So that was very interesting to see that dynamic. Marie stepped in and she helped this retired couple reclaim their space and she showed them how to honor their things and cut back on things like clothing, Christmas decor, baseball cards, and family photos. They had it all. And as we mentioned, Marie experienced the biggest pile she's ever seen. And that was what was dubbed Mount Wendy. So Wendy definitely admitted that she suffers from kind of leaning on a bit of retail therapy. She had clothing in at least three rooms, if I'm counting correctly, that she brought together into one ginormous pile. It was so interesting to see that after Marie visited a couple times to the home and left them with very good lessons, that they began to change their shopping behaviors. And it also was very interesting to see how Ron kind of had a change of heart. He wasn't so sold about the Kunmari method uh, when they started, but he saw some changes that he didn't really expect very quickly in the process. And soon he was more involved than his wife was at times because she had a lot more things in the home that she had ownership of. But they actually admitted that the process was kind of fun and they had great outtakes of how they really enjoyed themselves as their relationship kind of improved and, and they grew closer through this process. My favorite part of this particular episode was that Wendy said one of my favorite quotes, what I like to hear <laughs> from my clients, which was, my motivation is I never want to have to do this again. Whenever I hear my clients say that, I know that true change is on the way. Congratulations, Akiyama family. What'd you think of the Akiyamas, Karen? You nailed it. It's like, to me, I can always tell a client is on the right track when I hear those kind of statements. Going back to the whole thing with Mount Wendy. I thought it was so interesting and really funny that Marie said this was the biggest mountain of clothes she'd ever seen because I have to say, I've seen bigger mountains. However, <laughs> it's been my practice to subcategorize things because, and I think some of this was in the show for dramatic effect, but for me, I get concerned if I'm leaving my clients with an enormous mess. You got to be able to sleep in the bed. So unless you have like a spare bedroom, and I think I think in some ways they were able to to manage the pile because it wasn't necessarily in their bed. But altogether, I have definitely seen more clothing, more you know that some clients have had. And I think again, that's maybe an American thing because as we've discussed many times in this show, space is a vacuum. So if you have space, you fill it. And they had a pretty good sized house, so I think it just made it easier for them to accumulate that many things. I also really loved Vaughn's coming to terms with his baseball card collection yes. as a former collector. Oh, I guess I'm still a collector. I am just a much more selective and careful collector. I absolutely know what it's like to just keep wanting to accumulate and get a hold of every single item that's related to whatever it is that I'm collecting. So I loved how he was able to edit his baseball card collection down to the ones that meant the most to him. I think for a lot of folks who are collectors, you know, you end up with so many things that are just not, they're not the ideal of that particular category. So why not let go of the things that are not like 
your favorite. And he did a great job. I mean, he had a massive collection of baseball cards and he was able to uh, to really narrow it down to the ones that meant the most to him. And I love that scene when his wife went in and found him sleeping because he was uh, so exhausted from sorting through all those cards. Yeah. But I thought it was really a really cute. great episode. They are such an adorable couple and, you know, you have to wish them well. And I'd love to see how uh, next Christmas is for them. Yes. Wendy definitely pared down when it came to holiday. And I love how she said, I can just have a portion of this in a room and it still has a festive feel. So that was just, there was just so many things that they learned from their clutter. They even said that they can honestly say that it's going to change the way they view possessions and change the way that they proceed with the rest of their lives. So can't get better any better than that. Absolutely. So we wish them well. So the next episode was The Downsizer, and this was Katrina and Douglas, the Mercier family, who call themselves a Fantastic Four. They were so adorable. They had two kids, age 11 and 12. So in this episode, Marie shows a family living in a cramped apartment how to create temporary storage solutions and make better use of hard-to-reach cabinet space. What I really liked about this family, first of all, they were just so cute. They was just such a close, loving family. It was really very endearing. One of the many things that struck me about them was that they intuitively had moved toward living the life that they wanted to lead by leaving a location that was not optimal for what they wanted for themselves and taking such a huge risk by moving halfway across the country to a new place, recognizing that they would have to live in a much smaller space, but doing it anyway. And then, of course, when they got there, because this was pre-Kanmari for them, they found that they were overwhelmed with the things that they had in their new smaller space. I thought Katrina was really adorable and relatable in her frustration with herself that she had taken on so much of the day-to-day family management. There was a part of her that liked being so needed, but it was also extraordinarily frustrating to her. And she also recognized that it was not the best thing for her kids or the family, that she was the keeper of all of the information. And I really liked the way Marie said, the kids need a dresser. A lot of times in Kanmari, there's an emphasis on not buying new storage equipment. But in this case, she recognized that the storage solution that they were using temporarily was not optimal in honoring the things that the children had. So she suggested that what she was putting together for them was temporary. And sure enough, by the end of their KonMari tidying festival, they had an awesome dresser for the kids to put their things in. So those were a couple of the things that really stuck out to me. And also, I really liked that Douglas started making a salad in the kitchen that was so cute. And uh, (laughs) it really showed how they had embraced the method and um, had really uh, solidified their not acceptance of their new circumstances, but really almost being happy to be in a smaller spot. It, It seemed to really bring them closer together. So I thought that that was super, super positive. Yeah, and I could tell that Katrina had taken on a large amount of the burden of making a house a home. I could just see in her eyes how sad she was when her daughter mentioned that that she hasn't felt like the place where she's laying her head is a home. And she even said that she wasn't setting her family up to win. And 
I see this all the time with clients, especially the moms that I work with who have children, where they feel like the burden of the errors occurring in the entire household is on them and they are completely responsible for absolutely everything. So I love how the Mercier's definitely admitted that this process uncovered layers of family dynamics that they didn't even realize like were inhibiting them to move forward. I loved how Douglas, like you said, started making the salads, started getting more involved. (laughs) And uh, even his kids were encouraging him to pick up the slack a bit. So I just loved it. You can literally see the weight lifting off of Katrina's shoulders. And yeah, she loved that she was teaching her family major life skills. She ended with the fact that her family is growing. Her kids are doing their own thing and her kids know how to take care of their own resources. So I just love how everything came full circle for them. So we wish them the best. Congratulations, Mercieres. Next up, we have a fan favorite. The episode is called Sparking Joy After a Loss. We meet Margie, who coins the hashtag CunMargie. She's lived in her house 30 years, and her husband, unfortunately, passed about a year ago. So she's grieving, but looking for a fresh start as she learns how to properly store her items and create memory boxes and let go thoughtfully of some things that no longer represent where she's going in her future now that her life is completely changed since her husband's passing. I really appreciated this episode because it shows how confronting clutter can truly be the vehicle for putting your past in order and processing these very difficult transitions that we find ourselves in. I loved Margie's home. She had many, many things there that represented her husband, who seems like a wonderful man who had a big personality. And her kids were also very supportive. She had three older children and they were all ready to pitch in or maybe take the things that were theirs out of Margie's home. She worked about a week on clothing and That was just her own clothes and then decided that she really couldn't move forward without tackling her husband's clothes. And Marie made an exception. She was flexible here. And instead of jumping in to trying to tidy her books, they decided to, well, Margie decided to, on her own, tackle her husband's clothing, which took up a good portion of their shared closet. So that was a very emotional process for her, but she took it on quite well. And even the donation aspect of letting her clothes go ended up being therapeutic for her. She also was very impressive in terms of how she got stronger almost every time we saw her on the screen. You could see it in her personality, in her face, in her body language. She said that her husband gave her such an easy life because he would really take on a lot of the big, harder decisions for the household. So this was kind of new for her, being in charge and not having anyone else to bounce the decisions off of. And at first, she was a little bit concerned that that would hinder her from officially getting tidy. But she became very strong in her decision making 
And she really recognized the baby steps, even in the moments where she was getting overwhelmed or she didn't know what to do. The one thing that did kind of shock me, (laughs) for some reason, this was the episode that popped up first in my queue when I opened up the show, even though this is not episode one. So I, I loved it, but I was very shocked by how few belongings Margie had left in her drawers, how empty they were. That gave me a bit of a pause because that's not typical (laughs) for us. Uh, Because as we've said many times, Kadmari is about keeping the things that we love, not focusing necessarily 100% on removing absolutely everything from the house. But I was super impressed, but I was uh, ready to see other examples to see if that was kind of the norm for every single family. And indeed, it wasn't. So where did your things go, Margie? (laughs) We'd love to to know. We can reach out to her and uh, see if we could get some details on where her kimono went. They focused a lot in this particular episode on her clothing, but it was very interesting and she did an awesome job. And I love that hashtag Kunmarji is growing strong. So a couple of the funny things before I get to the serious part of this episode for me. One of our esteemed dear colleagues immediately posted a meme with hashtag ConMargy because she loved this so much. And everybody was just like, oh, my gosh, that is so great. Um, yeah. So that was very funny. And the other thing that I thought was hysterical was Marie getting on the carousel horse in the window. Oh, yeah. That the was pony. so great. <laughs> and just so like her. Well, I guess it's kind of like her. I mean, uh, my impression of Marie sometimes is that she's very shy and, you know, wouldn't be so bold. But there she was up on that little horse. It was very funny. <laughs> I love that part. Now, to the part that was a little difficult for me in this episode. Well, first of all, I have to say that there was not a single episode that did not make me tear up. And, you know, I like to consider myself to be a very experienced KonMari consultant who's seen it all. And I've been there and done that. But it was really emotional. Every single episode, there was some part of it that just made me really emotional. This episode, I was literally in tears, serious tears for a good part of it. And I think that that it was hard to watch this episode and not imagine what it would be like to lose someone like that in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and many of us, that if we haven't gone through something like that in our lives, it's likely that we will. So I think a lot of us could really relate to what it must be like to have shared her life with someone for so many years and to just have them gone. So that part was, was extremely emotional and handled so beautifully and thoughtfully by not only Marie, but by all of the Netflix producers or whoever made the decisions to show, to showcase uh, what she was going through. I also really loved that Marie, after consideration and discussion, felt that it was important that Margie do her husband's clothes by herself. It was clear that she would not be able to continue with the process until she had gotten that behind her. It reminded me a lot of my own practice. Of course, it's always better to try to go through the steps in order. There's lots of reasons for that. And we talk about that in many of the episodes that we do. But sometimes I've run into situations where getting a certain category or subcategory out of the way is just critical to a person being able to go on. So I loved the flexibility. I think that that is true KonMari in practice as opposed to 
the logical steps that sometimes we see in the book or sometimes that we feel, you know, these are must-dos. There are no must-dos in life, you know, there are only suggestions. And so I really appreciated that Marie made that decision with Margie about how she should handle that. I thought that that was really very human and very touching. And I can only imagine that for most viewers, that was an extremely meaningful part of the episode. I also love that at the end, all of the kids came together to make dinner and they were all drinking a beer. <laughs> that was just so cute. So, you know, there is uh, life after KonMari. Congratulations, KonMari. We wish you the best. So the final episode that we're going to talk about today is From Students to Improvements. Frank and Matt, they have lived together for two years. They were a very nice young couple, both recent college graduates who were embarking upon their new life, not only together, but they were doing some serious adulting. You know, they had a, a lovely apartment, was I think very typical for young people transitioning from college life to early adulthood. In this episode, there were two writers working on getting their library organized by sorting through a mass of sentimental items and gadgets. What I thought was really great about this episode was that they really worked together to begin to identify what it was that they not only appreciated and wanted for themselves as individuals, but also how they saw themselves moving forward as a couple. In large part, the episode focused on the fact that parents were coming to visit for the first time, and it would be the first time that they saw their home together, and it was extremely important to them as it is for most young adults that their parents feel that they had transitioned into their first apartment and their life together in a good way and that the parents could feel assured and comfortable that they were on the right track. So there was this underlying kind of uh, event planned. I really appreciated that the show ended with the parents coming to see them and everything turned out so well. I thought it was really cute how they uh, work through their attachment to some of the sentimental items. I think for a lot of people who were writers, all of the things that go along with writing, including books and papers and all of the computer equipment and gadgets and things that tend to accumulate, how difficult it is sometimes for people to sort through those things. But they did a great job, and I really, I really thought that they solidified their relationship together but also as individuals, I mean, you know, it was seemed to be very important to them that they don't lose their identity as, as people, but that they forge ahead as a couple in a home that brought them joy. Yeah, it was interesting how they realized and were really surprised by how much meaning they attributed to their home. And they came to the conclusion that fear isn't a good reason to hold on to things. And they were also very competitive, which I thought was pretty cute. And we saw the competitiveness come out in almost all of the couples that were featured in the series. There was a kind of an ebb and flow. Uh, some days Matt was super comfortable with the decision making and the sentimentality of things. And then some days Frank would be a little bit more in charge or in control. So it was just an interesting dynamic. And books and paper were definitely the stars of this particular episode. Also, just the process of figuring out what sparks joy 
what that means to us internally, what that means separate from Marie Kondo's interpretation of what spark joy means. It's a very personal thing. We devoted episode 13 to this question. That episode is entitled, Does It Spark Joy? Because we know the answer to that question doesn't always come quickly to you. And some people have trouble connecting with it. And it was interesting how each category helped shape the answer to that question in a different way for both Frank and Matt. I completely agree. And I, for me, it's always important to remember that Kanmari never says, this is what should spark joy. It's much more about how the spark of joy feels. And Marie talks about how you should feel when something sparks joy as opposed to what things should or shouldn't spark joy. So you really, I think, saw that in in this episode in particular. Congratulations to all eight families featured on Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. You guys are rock stars and truly exhibiting the Kunmari lifestyle that we talk about so much here on Spark Joy Podcast. Now that we've reviewed the series, I think it's important to share some things about what you should know from the Kunmari consultant's perspective when it comes to how this show was executed. Exactly. I think earlier I mentioned that there were many parts in the show when I was like, yes, that's exactly what I would have said, which I guess for most people watching, they don't have the advantage of having worked with a lot of folks who have gone through this process. But it was so interesting, I think, not only for myself, but also to hear what the other consultants had to say about the show. Now, there are some things that I think are super important for people to know. This is reality TV. And of course, we have no idea how many hours of filming actually occurred that eventually boiled down to five hours and 14 minutes. But we're assuming there was a lot. So there were probably a whole lot of amazing and interesting things that happened that just didn't make the cut this time around. Kamari is a lot of work. There are sometimes thousands of decisions that are made when people are going through the process. Having said that, it's a joyful, amazing experience for most people who complete this from beginning to end. And I've yet to have a client say to me, I'm really sorry I started this. However, a lot of information was crammed into 40 minutes or so of TV time. And one of the things that I think a lot of us noticed, especially in the consultant community, is that sometimes categories were really rushed over or not included at all in the episode. So we have no idea why those particular categories might have been cut out. For some families, it may have been that there were not that many things in that particular category. There are people who don't have a lot of books. There are people who don't have a lot of paper. Um, So it could have been that those particular categories were not included. Or it could be that the process was just not television interesting. Sorting through papers, sometimes it's just a very tedious process and might not have made for good television. So it's really hard to know exactly why decisions were made. But it's important to keep in mind that this was designed to be entertaining. If this is, this is entertainment, um, and Netflix certainly knows how to do reality TV. So something always to keep in mind. I definitely agree. And this series by no means is a comprehensive how-to or a comprehensive look at what occurs during a Kunmari tidying lesson. If you're inspired by the show, which many, many people are, and you're tidying up independently, 
without assistance of a certified Kamari consultant, you're probably looking for those really specific details. SparkJoy podcast, we dedicate entire episodes to particular aspects of the Kamari method so we can help you customize this very standardized method to your particular clutter situation. And I'm very excited to announce that I also have developed my own tool that will help you tidy up once and for all. And it's called the Tidy Home Joy Journal. I'm so excited to release this in February. It's a project I've been working on for quite some time, and it holds all of my tips when it comes to Kanmari to help those who are executing this independently. So there's definitely tools out there to help you along the way. And I personally cannot wait to get my own copy of your Joy Journal. I cannot wait to see it. I'll definitely let all SparkJoy listeners know how they can get their hands on one in the future. I have to say that there were definitely some great tips that Marie was able to share during the show. I especially liked the little cutaway segments where she demonstrated my practices, especially when it came to folding and how to store things. I thought that that was super helpful and it made a great addition to the show. And again, the show was really designed to highlight the most interesting aspects of the process. And I think it did a really good job of showing the emotional and work aspects of the process, both good and bad. But again, the show only allowed for a certain amount of details, things that were seemingly left out and probably kind of left open for interpretation, especially paper. We, we noticed that there was not a lot of paper category included in most of the episodes. And again, we think that this probably was because it's not a very visually interesting process that we would like to definitely see in the next uh, series that we hope will be coming a little bit more about paper because paper is definitely a big category for a lot of folks. Also, one of the things that we noticed, and I would say if I've seen much criticism of the show at all, this is the big one, that it seemed Marie would go into a home, have people pull everything out of the closet, make a huge pile, and then leave. That is not really the way a KonMari consult works. As I said earlier, one of the things that I'm really careful about is not leaving a client with a huge mess. We have a feeling that it was done primarily to show what it's like for people on their own to struggle with this process. But in real life, but generally a consultant would be there working through that entire category with the client, at least to the point that the client felt really comfortable handling the last part of the category on their own. And we call that homework. And one of the things that we've noticed is that there has been some talk on Twitter and in like reader comments and some of the articles about this idea that that Marie somehow is coming into people's homes and making them get rid of things. In particular, a lot of people seem to be really concerned about books. And of course, it is true that Marie asks you to think about everything that you're keeping and to make sure that everything that you're keeping is being kept for an intentional and thoughtful reason. But it is absolutely not true that anyone would be required to get rid of anything or even pressured into getting rid of anything. I have had clients, and I know all the consultants have had clients, who really love a particular item, and they decide that they are going to keep every single example of that item that they have because it brings them joy. 
So that is something that's definitely a part of KonMari. Keep in mind, again, we go back to this whole idea that it's really not about what you're letting go of. It's about what you're keeping. And that's the really important part of KonMari for me. Keep in mind that this is something that we talk about a lot in episode 25 called Myths and Missteps. And now for some good news. The show is totally inspiring people to take charge of their homes and their environments and to begin to really thoughtfully take a look at things that they own and ensure that those things are moving them toward living their ideal life. The bad news is, is that some viewers may reach a point where they really feel stuck. You may have read all of the uh, information available about how to do KonMari. You may have watched all the videos, but for whatever reason, you are still having a, a hard time moving forward. A lot of our clients are extremely accomplished people and have excelled in many other areas of their lives. But for whatever reason, this is a stumbling block. Such a challenge that they may have started and ended up stopping. This is totally normal to have a moment where you feel like you've absorbed all the information about KonMari, but just can't make it click in your home. And you're not alone. Please do not ever feel like you have to suffer in silence. There is help. And we're not taught the art of tidying up in middle school. Does it spark joy is a simple question, but it's not easy to execute when it comes to your space and your life. So if you try to execute the Kunmari method in your home and you've hit a wall of analysis paralysis where you are spending more time analyzing how to execute an organized home than actually taking action, then it may be time to seek a consultant's support. Also, if you have stutter-stepped through the process and it's getting to the point where you're getting demotivated or overwhelmed and you are starting only to stop before you've officially finished, we're here for you. And if you're finding joy, but not necessarily making things click into place in your home, that's where we love to come in and start to customize things for you. Really make Kamari work for you. For an in-depth discussion about reasons why you might want to hire a Kamari consultant and the valuable services that we provide you can head over to SparkJoy episode number 49, which is called Why Hire a KonMari Consultant. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how KonMari has impacted your life. You can find us at SparkJoyPodcast.com and click Ask SparkJoy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media, Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media, Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.